0: Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. At Police Care Australia, we know that happy cops make the world a safer place. We understand only too well the threats and pressures cops face every day and the toll it takes. That's why we've established a health and wellbeing hub or a place with resources where former and current police members, families and friends can get help and assistance. It's an online portal where you can get support and counselling with professionals that understand police. Police Care Australia is a joint initiative between the National Police Memorial and the Police Federation of Australia. You can find out more details about Police Care Australia at their website. www.policecareaustralia.org.au. Steve Cook is an experienced investigator with more than 16 years working in law enforcement. He's worked in local government, emergency management and community safety. Steve is currently a senior inspector with RSPCA Victoria in the major investigations team. His role includes responding to reports from the public, investigating animal cruelty and attending properties one up across the state. Prior to working at the RSPCA, Steve worked in animal care roles and in the media. He owns two parrots and a number of goldfish. Hi Steve and a big warm welcome to The Crime
1: Couch. Thanks very much Rochelle, it's great to be here.
0: Steve, tell me how did you start getting involved in animal welfare investigations?
1: Uh, so I've been an RSPCA inspector for just on seven years now. Prior to that, I worked in a number of local government law enforcement roles in animal management and, yeah, just was really wanting to find a role where I was making more of a difference. And I know that sounds like a bit of a cliche, but being able to give people animal welfare advice, yeah, is definitely very rewarding and it was just something that I was you know, always interested in getting involved in.
0: And it seems really obvious to me but your passion is animal welfare.
1: Yeah absolutely so it's yeah not a job for for everyone it is definitely a very tricky job which I'm sure we'll we'll talk through a bit today but yeah definitely improving the animals welfare and it might just be something very basic is a real rewarding part of the the job.
0: Steve can you explain to me what does the major investigation team do?
1: So the major investigations team at RSPCA Victoria is a specialised team that investigates dog and cat breeders and rearers across Victoria, as well as animal fighting. So that includes cock fighting and dog fighting.
0: For people listening, and and, you know, this is something we discussed before, a lot of people listening have got police backgrounds and different emergency service backgrounds. What powers Do you have, as an RSPCA senior inspector, do you have powers to seize an animal that you believe is being mistreated, for example?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So RSPCA Victoria uh, do have, uh, we're the only non-for-profit agency that has legal powers under the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act and parts of the Domestic Animals Act. So we do have those same powers that Victoria Police members have, state government and some selected local councils have those powers as well. So yeah, we can seize animals where their welfare is at risk, prosecute someone, issue notices to comply, that sort of thing.
0: And your team is quite extensive. You do involve doing one-up visits. Can you explain what that actually means?
1: Yeah, so we've got inspectors that are that cover the entire state of Victoria. So we've got a small dedicated team of around 30 inspectors that essentially we cover the uh, four regions with a state cut into four, and then the major investigations team sort of as a fifth team. So yeah, there's a team that's headed by a team leader, usually a few seniors and a few inspectors that cover their sort of region of the state. And yeah, they respond to reports that we receive from members of the public, either from our website or from the call center in regards to your animal welfare reports of uh, concerns for animals at properties.
0: And so when you're doing a one-up, do you literally go out one-up? You don't have anyone backing you up. What happens if someone is a, a bit of a lunatic?
1: Yeah, so we do have uh, lots of safety protocols in place. Unfortunately, an RSPCA inspector was murdered in the line of duty in 1989, Stuart Fairley. So we do have a number of safety protocols like GPS. We radio in and out of the jobs with the office so they know where each job that we're going to. All of our jobs, when we receive them, uh, are triaged by our operations support team. So they're the team that keep us safe. They're doing those welfare checks when we're at a property, like calling us and just checking in Uh, seeing that everything's going okay and they also triage the jobs when they are received and then they give them to the appropriate team leader who then they also read the job and there may be times where we have to ask Victoria Police to do a check on a particular address or some names and we've got a, a memorandum of understanding with them for them to do those checks so that if warranted we would take police with us otherwise we would just Assess each property, sort of follow our gut instinct as well at times, and yeah, we just obviously deal with a wide range of people from different backgrounds. You know, similar to police, lots of people have lots of things that that are going on at the moment. You know, the cost of living pressures, people getting pets during COVID. There's lot. You know, we've definitely been kept very busy during this period.
0: Steve, how many reports of animal cruelty from the public are false or inaccurate?
1: That's a really good question. So we receive about over 10,000 reports a year across the state, and there probably is a yeah, a small amount that, you know, we may be not able to substantiate. I suppose the thing is with animal welfare, people have a lot of their own high standards and, you know, we have to follow what the legislation is um, and act within the realms of, you know, the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act and the Domestic Animals Act. So, yeah, there is some times where um, may not be substantiated, but there is also, we also provide pet owners with a lot of you know, general advice anyway. So, even if you're sometimes, you know, we may not seize an animal, for example, it may not warrant it at that time. So, we just give them education to give them the tools to comply. And then we've obviously got steps to follow if action isn't taken that we've directed them to do.
0: And I would imagine, Steve, like a detective, a police detective, you've actually got to substantiate. And build evidence and then write a brief to be able to give you the ability to seize that animal. Is that right?
1: So we do have emergency powers to seize an animal if the welfare is at immediate risk. So we do have that power. We would have to get a warrant if it was inside the dwelling, for example, which is very, like that's the same, um, I would not un- I would assume from other legislation that police would be enforcing so we would still like similar to police detectives we would still need to prove the offenses beyond reasonable doubt when we are putting together a brief of evidence which we do regularly for you know serious offending and those matters yeah similar to to those matters that um, detectives would investigate. So ours are summary offences in the magistrate's court. So there, are obviously some hefty penalties that people can still get. And, you know, it's things like animal banning orders are also other enforcement outcomes from the court cases.
0: Steve, you've been with the RSPCA for some time. What are some of the cases that have stuck with you? What are the, some of the more unusual cases that you can talk about that have stuck with you?
1: Look, there's a lot of cases in the seven years. So there's not one specific case. But I, th- I think the most rewarding cases are where you're able to just give someone a little bit of a helping hand. Like a lot of our job is just providing you know, education. It might just be that someone's having a tough time and they might just need another bag of dog food. For example, the dogs, you know, everything is going otherwise okay, but just needs a bit of help. Or they might need, you know, a worming tablet or something like that just to help them get them through. So I think that's where, you know, it can be the most rewarding is really, for me, kind of the most basic of cases really, because you're able to change someone's behaviour through education. And we across the state every day of the year uh, are doing that.
0: What are some of the more unusual cases? You must have had some crackers that you can talk about that have stayed with you.
1: Oh, that's really got me. I'd have to have a think about that for another second, sorry. (laughs) Any involving snakes or, you know, like you must get some very
0: bizarre sorts of ones I'd imagine
1: we don't deal with snakes. So that was the other thing we do have MOUs. Um, so we investigate, so companion animals and horses. So if it's like commercial farming or wildlife, they get referred to the appropriate state government agency through our MOU with them. I think we get a lot of, well, not a lot, but we do get some reports of you know people reporting you know like a cockatoo statue in someone's window, thinking that it's a cockatoo, and then sort of going there and like realizing it's not a live bird. It's it's just a, you know an ornament. So that sometimes we do hear some of those cases. That's a classic.
0: How big a problem is animal cruelty and why? Is it something, is it a crime that you believe is on the increase?
1: Look, I think, uh, you know, this the last financial year, we did see an increase in the number of animals that were either seized or surrendered by RSPCA, Victoria Inspectorate. So I think that, you know, a number of factors I sort of mentioned before, you know, the cost of living pressures, as well as uh, people getting new pets during COVID, and they just may not have the right tools, they might just need a bit more education. So there's kind of, yeah, different types of cruelty as well. There's kind of like more neglect instead of as opposed to more deliberate cruelty, which we do unfortunately see, and that's sometimes more of what we see in the major investigations team where animals are used for a commercial purpose. So it might be that they're bred not in compliance with the legislation. So like dogs and cats, for example, or, you know, like brutal cockfighting, which, you know, is still still something that is happening in Victoria that we're investigating.
0: The cases of animal cruelty do you ever prosecute the offender and they get jail sentences if you can prove intent? And obviously, you've got a case to prove.
1: Yeah, so there is some instances under the uh, sorry under the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Act where some imprisonment can be given as a part of the penalty. It is sort of rare to see that, but it yeah it does. it is a penalty that's available. Also with aggravated cruelty. So it, uh, you know the offence relates to the serious disablement or the death of an animal that is also another offence where you know there is imprisonment available to the magistrate when they give out the penalty it does happen at times.
0: You must have seen some very sad cases I'd imagine in your time any of those have stuck with you and and how do you deal with them?
1: Yeah I think you unfortunately yeah you get used to seeing animals living in poor conditions for example like Cats is a good example where, you know, someone's just got too many cats and living in, you know, poor living conditions. I suppose it's just trying to get that person support as well. Like there's times when the person also needs some help because they've got lots of things going on. And, you know, if we can help them, if they surrender some of the cats to us but we can also try and you know get them to engage with some other support agency and get some other help yeah that's something that you know is definitely rewarding to see but it can yeah definitely get some like compassion fatigue training and that sort of thing because that's something that you know we we're all people too and we all love animals as well so I think a lot of people say, or you know, they've said to me over the years, I could never do your job because I love animals. And I think we love animals too. And I think that's, yeah, a lot of the job is though people management in a sense of trying to you know, influence people to provide for the animals, even just covering off on just the basic necessities.
0: One of the things I'd be asking is, do you think if someone is found guilty of animal cruelty, that it's possible they've done other crimes?
1: Potentially. Yeah, that is definitely a potential.
0: Because that's the thing often I'd imagine. Do you ever do a psychological profile of some of the people? Are there any extenuating circumstances where you can say, ah, yes, that person is going to be someone who's going to commit those sorts of crimes against animals?
1: Not so much a profile as such. Sometimes those you know things might come out through a court case, but yeah, no specific sort of examples for that one, sorry.
0: Do you think that people commit animal cruelty? Do you think most people do it with intent or do you think it's accidental?
1: Like I said, I think most um, most of the reports that we investigate aren't intentional and it's just, you know, sometimes it might be just a lack of education, more neglect as opposed to more deliberate cruelty, yeah.
0: And what percentage of your cases, Steve, are against repeat offenders? You must as an investigator go, oh here we go again, it's Joe Blow or Joena Blow. What percentage of those people are repeat offenders?
1: I don't have the statistics on the repeat offenders, but yeah, obviously we are a small unit that prosecute the majority of animal cruelty offences in Victoria. Yeah, we do see people from time to time again, but yeah, I can't give a percentage. I don't have that number, sorry.
0: And Steve, what are some of the issues that you're dealing with now? Do you think people, because of the pressures of cost of living, are people abandoning their animals more?
1: Look, I think there was an increase in abandoned animals. So each year we put out our animal cruelty report statistics which highlight the top area like council areas. So really just sort of unpacking our statistics for the year and there was an increase in abandoned animals. Whether that is you know, there's probably a number of factors why that would be on the increase. But yeah, cost of living is definitely a pressure that we're seeing throughout the whole state.
0: And Steve You've had seven years at the RSPCA. What case do you regard as a career highlight and why?
1: Gee, that's a good question. I really, yeah, I haven't really got a career highlight case, unfortunately.
0: Is there one that you could hang your hat on and that you could say, you know, you you felt very pleased with the outcome?
1: Look, I think there's, you know, there's being able to give education to lots of people, I think, is really important because that's a lot of what our work, our work is. So, yeah, just being able to provide education and enforcement action if it gets to that point. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: And in your current role, what are your future sort of vision and goals? What do you hope to sort of build on?
1: Look, I just think you know, being able to increase our capacity to work with other law enforcement agencies. We had an example recently where we got a referral from Australian Border Force regarding a parcel that they'd intercepted. And so that was a good example of us, you know, working with other agencies. We put a media release out about that. And um, what
0: was what
1: was in the parcel? So it was a cockfighting implement. So yeah, that, that's why we were investigating that. So we want to be able to yeah, build on those relationships with other law enforcement agencies. Obviously work closely with VicPol and local councils a lot but yeah really just trying to see what other agencies you know such as Border Force or Customs where we might be able to work closely with them.
0: I'm really interested because you did mention that about the murder of the RSPCA person in 1989. Can you give me a brief update like what happens in that case how did this person get murdered
1: so i believe um he was bashed at a so allegedly bashed at a regional victoria property and yeah there was a person that went to trial i think on two occasions but it, there was to this day it's still um, unsolved no one has been charged
0: and what did the inspector go to the property to investigate? Uh, reports about what sort of an animal?
1: Uh, they were investigating um, concerns for some horses at a property.
0: And so that inspector literally was killed because they were doing their duty and that offender's still at large? Probably,
1: Yeah, I'm probably not sure about answering that one for you. Sorry, Rochelle.
0: Summing up then, you know, what advice would you give to people? that are actually wanting to have an animal and have a pet, what advice would you be giving them?
1: Look, I think it's probably a bit cliche, but you know, like a pet is for life, not just for Christmas. So I think it's really important to just, do your research. So look online, check out the RSPCA Victoria website. We've got lots of information there. Uh, We also run lots of education programs. So if you're thinking of a particular type of animal, you know, we run public education courses like on rabbits and guinea pigs, horses, that sort of thing. So do as much research as you can. Obviously, we also recommend you, if you're going to not adopt and, you know, buy from a breeder, look for a registered breeder, look for, you know, being able to visit the breeder's property so you can see the living conditions for the animals, ask to see the parents, just those sort of things.
0: And don't buy off eBay.
1: Don't buy off eBay and don't buy animals from a car park or in a public place.
0: Steve, it's been delightful. Thank you very much for sitting on the crime couch with me today and say a big hello to your two parrots and goldfish.
1: I will. Thanks so much for having me, Rochelle. It was uh, great to finally meet you.
0: Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Cage.